Welcome to DBPA, the Drunk Bitches Podcast. I'm Jamie. And I'm Sarah. Each episode, we pair a wine with a topic where you get more lip with each sip. So let's get started. But first, pass the wine, bitch. Hello, everyone, and welcome to our episode, A Spotlight on Croatia. Today, we're going to be drinking Croatian wine, and Sarah has picked up a what we hope to be for her, a delicious blend of red varietals. What is in this? It's so interesting. Um, it's 25% Tehran, which is native to Croatia. It's a standard red grape there, and we'll kind of talk about that. 25% Nebbiolo, 25% Merlot, and 25% Tempranillo. So, the Tempranillo is a little shocking, no? Yeah, I didn't think that they had that over there. So kind of interesting, but um, I'm going to go ahead and just get started and pop this open. Yeah, go ahead and um, pop that. It is made by Benvenuti. Okay. Uh, and it is called Caldi Rosso, and it's from the city of Caldir, and Rosso means red, so it's basically like red wine from Caldir is what it means. Um, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, and this is a 2015. It's 13.5% ABV. Um, I believe it was aged for six months in French oak. Yep, that's what uh, you've got here. Native fermentation. And um, they do have sustainable farming over there too. So we'll talk a little bit about that. Now, before I even pour this, I just want to show, and I will take a picture of this for our listeners, but I just want to show on? everyone the cork. <gasps> oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm hoping this is an okay <clears throat> bottle. <clears throat> If not, I'll be giving Waterford Wine a call. <laughs> um, um, <laughs> wait, for, for our listeners, basically one half of the cork looks fine. The other half, the wine is bled all the way up to the top, it looks. Yep. So I will take it's a picture not, of this and post it. Yeah. Yeah. That's not necessarily a good sign. It's for a, a, a five-year-old wine. Like yes. you expect some creepage, but also, so now this is making me wonder a little bit, although you, the top of the cork looked clean. How's it smell? Kind of smells like raisins, but I, that's from the bottle. I'm going to pour it okay. now. Okay. All right. We're going to see, I think. So when you see something like that, that could be an indication of cork taint. It smells good. Oh, all right. Okay. We might be, we might be able to work with something here. <laughs> It's very dark red. I'm, it's, well, I mean, the Tempranillo. I don't know much about how Tehran is supposed to look like, but Tempranillo is usually a dark, darker grape. It smells very fruity. It does have like an intense, there's a little raisin in there. Okay. I probably should have aerated this. I'm thinking. Start swirling that puppy. Yeah. Uh, hold on. We're, we are going to start swirling. I gave myself a bigger pour. I got to. Aggressively here. <laughs> you need to get aggressive but, with it. Just don't so spill it. I have enjoyed Croatian wine in the past. I know we've talked about this, but I went to Croatia on my honeymoon and we had the pleasure of visiting a few wineries while we were there um, and took some wine home. It's not easy to find around here. I mean, in the city no, of Milwaukee. How many, you checked like so many local places. Yes. And I only found one place and they only had two different wines. Um, so it was really not easy to find, but, um, 
we had a great time drinking Croatian wine in Croatia. It was delicious. Well, and so I think that's one thing about this is that it, it oftentimes though, especially in like old world countries, I feel like the majority of the wines that are made there just don't ever make it over. It's so true. They're like local consumption and like a lot of people make them sort of for their own personal consumption, not like even to share necessarily with like their neighbors, but just for themselves. And I mean, I think that that is both perhaps a good thing, but also a bad thing because you don't get to see like the quality and like the deliciousness of what other people Mm -hmm. are producing there unless you go. Like It was very affordable there. This bottle, I think, was about $21. Okay. Um, so not too bad. It's actually, it's good. So Yeah? All right. Describe this for us. There's a good amount of tannin. It's drying my mouth out a little bit. That kind of overpowers the end. The bottle's not bad. So it just goes to show you that sometimes the cork <laughs> maybe is not always representative of the okay. wine. Well, and actually, okay, so Tehran or... Tehran, or I don't know how you pronounce it. It says here on Wine Folly's website that it generally has high tannins and should evolve over a few years. So that is probably your big component of getting those tannins. Yeah. Uh, it also has bold flavors of forest berries and violets with smoky meat and game-like notes. Okay. So would you say, I mean, it says it's an earthy, full-bodied, robust red wine. I know it's only a quarter of the grapes that go into this. But yeah. So now that I've, you know, experienced Slovenian wine and Croatian wine and been there, I can say that I feel like they're wines. You taste the earth a little bit more and not in a bad way. Like it's, it's a lot more of a natural, like the wines you drink there are like very much like a natural type of thing that you get. Isn't that kind of like old worldy anyway? Yeah. I mean, yeah. that to have more of this, this earthiness, this foresty floor, um, you know, you get more of the tertiary characteristics than the fruit. It sounds like your wine that you're drinking right now, the Bon, what is it? I keep wanting to say Bienvenue. Ben, uh, Benvenuti? Benvenuti. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> like you're getting fra- into the fr- French, French, Francais. Um, but Benvenuti, it's, I mean, it sounds like it's like a typical old old world, which, you know, I think in the States here, we just don't see a lot of that, you know, earthy tertiary characteristics. It's all like fruit bombs in your mouth and in your face. A lot of it is. Yeah. And this is a much more like terroir driven. Yes. Yes. So, um, yeah, I'll keep sipping on this, but it, it is a complex wine. It's, there's a lot of layers. Okay. So now I like the tannin, it's opening up. So the tannins are not as uh, predominant and it's, I'm getting more of that fruit and earth than before. So I'm enjoying it so far. All right. Good. Mm -hmm. So what else? Okay. I'm looking here in some of the, the notes that we, you happen to grab. It sounds like there are some suggested food pairings with this particular wine, like cured meat and red meat. Which I think yeah. pairs well just based upon like its complementary flavors based on what I even just read about the Turand grape. Um, right. Cheese looks like it goes well with a lot of hard cheeses. Like hard. I have some, I have some hard cheese right here, so I'll let you know. Yeah. <laughs> they, they say um, Asiago, Parmesan, Picori, some of those, you know, dr- um, drier cheeses, um, uh-huh. cheddar, Gouda, and Manchego as well. Yeah. And I've got, I've got some 
some good hard cheeses here. And so I'm going to start nibbling and let you know what I think about that. Bueno. But- Sounds good. Another incorrect uh, language. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> now I'm going to Spanish. Okay. So, and these are, these are 35 year old vines. Yeah. 35 year old vines. And, um, the soil is marl stone, left over by a prehistoric sea. Mm-hmm. So we looked at the, this winery on the map. It's very close to Slovenia. It's not necessarily right off the coast, but it's on, it's on that Istrian peninsula close to the coast. It's so, like, it's like a, it looks like if, if, if Croatia is like a cane shape, if you will, right? It's around like the hook at the top almost and like smack dab in the middle of that hook. That's mm-hmm. how I would describe this. Although in the map that I'm looking at right now, it kind of looks like a seahorse. That's true. Yeah. So it's I the seahorse's eyeball. Let's call yeah. it that. <laughs> I could see that. Uh, the seahorse's eyeball. So funny. I don't know. I and don't if know. anyone is trying to like – place where Croatia is. It's across the Adriatic Sea from Italy. It borders Slovenia. Um, It's got, so here's something people probably don't know, but it has become more of a tourist destination because of this, but it has almost 4,000 miles of coastline with really over a thousand islands. Are you serious? Yes. And several of these islands have their own wine varieties. So a lot of these wines are native to the island they come from or the specific area of Croatia. And again, that's stuff that you're not going to get over here. You have yeah. to go there in order to try it. Yep. Um, and their climates, if you think about like Italy's climate or, you know, kind of this like Mediterranean climate off the sea is perfect for making things like olive oil, which we, when we were there, we had amazing olive oil. We actually brought some home with us. Mm. Um, and then wine. It's perfect for making wine. So the wine production there goes all the way back to ancient Greek times. And the country actually has over 300 wine producing regions. Oh my, it's, that's a lot. Yeah. And they do, haven't necessarily adopted any of the modern grape varieties that we are used to seeing, as well as modern winemaking techniques. They really stick to the traditional local grape varieties that survive in Croatia. So we're drinking red today, but white wine is actually more common there. I think 65% of their wines are white, 35% are red. That's interesting. I wonder if if it's mostly red that comes to our market here in the States, just because there are a lot more red drinkers and inclined to drink. Like two of the grapes that are listed here are more commonly known like merlot and tempranillo people won't That's be why I was afraid yeah. of picking this up themselves like if they were to look at it so yeah that's uh oh wow that's so interesting yeah but i mean and we'll talk a little bit about the varieties they have but they're very hard to pronounce we're not used <laughs> to hearing them we have no idea what they are you have no idea what to expect you know but that's kind of is fun and interesting and it makes it like, it makes it appealing because it's not what you're used to and you're going to be experiencing something. You really have no idea what to expect, you know? So, okay. Let me ask you this. Like when you were there, 
And this is, you know, like history channel, just pretend. So when you were there and you, let's say, wanted to pop in and have a bite to eat or something, did you order something specific or did they offer you something and were like, oh, do you want the house wine? Like what, like how does this happen? Because I would look at the menu and just looking at the the names of things. Okay. So what we found is that Croatia, they just kind of don't care about vowels anymore. It's all consonants. Yeah. And so some words are just consonants. <laughs> so we, a lot of, okay, I have to be totally upfront with you guys and say that the food is good. However, I was waiting for the butt. Now that I've been to Slovenia and now that I've been to Portugal, I can say that the food in Croatia, while being good, it is at least if you're on the coast, super touristy. So... I feel like it wasn't exceptional. It wasn't like what I expected. Like when we were in Portugal and we were on the coast, I mean, the food was just unbelievable, right? Okay. And in Slovenia, um, you know, they don't have much coastline, but still the food was like very good. Okay. In Croatia, and maybe it's because the coastline has become super touristy, I don't feel like the food was like so amazing it wasn't bad it was good but it was is it like flavorful is it like fatty is it like is it more mediterranean like it is more they they don't have i feel like they don't really have an identity in the sense that like it's like you've got an italian influence you've got you know the mediterranean influence slovenia the greek influence and then you've got the slavic influence and it's just like it's like they're really into like mushrooms is a big thing oh so you should love Um, it and I do, I do, I do love that. But I'm saying the quality of the food, at least on the coast, was not exactly what I was looking for. Interesting. In terms, like when we were in Portugal, like you were on the coast, seafood was like unreal, you know? And that just wasn't quite what I was getting there. Okay. Now, the wine, yes, you're right. There's like so many, you go in, you have no idea. And a lot of times we just kind of went with like a house recommendation you know, or there are, and there are house wines. And we were like, sure, we'll have the house wine. And a lot of times the wine was the star over the food there, oh. at least for me. Maybe that's intentional, I wonder. Because could you, could you then purchase a bottle from them? Oh, no. I don't okay. think so, no. Okay. But, you know, it was fun. It was a great place. The coast is beautiful. I mean, there's a reason why people are flocking there. The water was the super clear water. Like you think you're in some sort of like movie or that it's almost fake. The water is like, like super clear. It's like clear. a swimming pool. Yes. And you're like, it's the sea, but there's the, the, and the rocks and it's just, it's, and we, it wasn't warm enough. So the islands were, we got married in middle, mid-September. So we were there like mid end of September and the islands, like they're kind of closed because the season's ending. Mm, I see. So we didn't get to see any of the islands, but, um, you know, it's just unbelievably gorgeous. I didn't realize that there were over a thousand islands. Yeah. I mean, this is a, it's a relatively small country anyway. Yeah. But just have like little pockets of like, just, I want to say, I mean, pop-up islands basically. That's, that's incredible. Um, yeah. It must be it must be absolutely wonderful to go to like in the summer. I mean, I'm even looking in this picture in this book, The World Atlas of Wine, and it's just like the blue is like mm-hmm. true cerulean blue. Like from like the Crayola crayon box, it is so 
freaking vivid blue that you're just like, wow. And then when you're looking at the, when you're looking at the water and you've got that blue, you look like, let's say you're looking to your right at the water and to your left are mountains. So it's like, it's it's, it's such a stark contrast and you're sitting there and you're like, this is so beautiful. So those mountains actually separate, it's, it's not like a barrier to another country. It separates Croatia into like the, the coastal region and the inland region. Exactly. And so that's where we have some of our differences in the wines that you'll find. Mm. You'll find the wines on the coastal and you'll find the wines on the inland region. Yeah. And I think Um, the coastal region, if I'm not mistaken, that's actually like, the larger wine producing region, if you're going to, if it's compartmentalized into just those two, like the inland versus coastal, the majority of wines, including the majority of the high quality wines are produced in that coastal region. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah, um, going up to the, I think it's the Dinaric Alps, if that's how you pronounce it. Uh, maybe, I'm not sure it could be how yeah. you pronounce it. I don't know, but <laughs> Um, so just some history to their wine making, you know, days. Yeah. So wine growing appeared in 500 BV. What's BV? I'm sorry. BC. Did I say BV? BC. Oh, I've seen it referred to as BCE now because you can't say before Christ. It's before the common era. I don't think BC means before Christ though. No? That's a myth. Shut up. Yeah. Did you not know that? I did not. I, I guess swear. Not. It was BC before Christ. No, no, what? no, 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 no. No, hold on. I'm looking it up because I can't remember exactly what it means. Uh, let me see. Mm-hmm. Hold on. I know it's, I've seen it BCE and I was like in a wine book and I was like, what? No, it's yeah. before Christ. No, that's, that's not, that's, that's, that's not true. Uh, so 80 does not mean after death. It means Anno Domini. Right. Uh-huh. And then I knew BC that. means before. So you're saying BCE is before the common era. Yeah. So there's never been, it's never been before Christ. That's not what it means. We, I guess I still just saw another reference. No, I know. I Wikipedia know that says it. No, I know that's what, that, that it has Christian denominations, but when you're talking about the year, that's not what it means. Oh my God, that's so crazy. My mind is like blown right now. Yeah, Thousand okay. Islands off of Croatia. BC is not before Christ. What the hell? What is going on right now? We'll have to that's look okay. up that. Do a we'll little do more, more research, research on, on that, that off, yeah, offline. Okay. Anyways. But- so that's when how long they've been going growing wine. Long ass time. Yeah. Now everyone knows they gained independence when Yugoslavia broke up yes. in 1991. That is when Croatia gained their independence and they decided to have a new, new era where there was more private land that was being bought by, by citizens. So Okay. So the wine industry began in an era of reconstruction as private owners took control of the land belonging to the state. So There's it's still, dis- it's young. Yeah. So it's young, but they've been growing wine there for a very long time. I think it's just that people started taking ownership of it, right? Yeah. Yeah. But And I think um, you find that with a lot of the smaller countries. Exactly. Yep. Uh, so the islands have re- retained um, endemic grape varieties. 
So again, there's a distinction between the wines produced inland and on the coast and on the, mm-hmm. in the islands. And then here's the, here's a really interesting thing. In 1996, Mike Gergich from Gergich Hills in Napa. Yes. He's very, and I have a bottle of his wine waiting for me and you, Jamie. Uh, I've yeah. never had it. I have always wanted to try Gergich. I've tried it and it's good and it's waiting for us. He is from Croatia, went to back to Croatia, and then he went back to America and helped introduce Americans to Croatian wine. And he played a huge part in what's known as ZinQuest, which was the search for Zinfandel's Croatian roots because... <laughs> Are you laughing it's, at ZinQuest? I'm laughing because it yeah. sounds like a video game. <laughs> yeah. Or it sounds like, especially when you're like, the quest for, the, the quest. search for... I don't know why, but I just imagine like some sort of Monty Python, like the quest for the Holy Grail or something. The quest. Okay, Zinfandel, for Zinfandel's Croatian roots. Yes. So okay. if people don't know, Zinfandel originated in Croatia. Oh, we've told them before. We've told them that. And yes. it's called. But if you, have, if, you don't, if you haven't listened to previous episodes or, or if you didn't one, remember. Yeah. It's like, cur- I don't know, Surgenic something. Uh, yeah, it's Krogenic Kastelansky. We're saying it wrong. Very wrong. But it's by but basically it identical before. to Zinfandel. This is where Zinfandel's roots are from and Primitivo in Italy. Mm-hmm. And it means red grape from Castella. And Castella is uh, a small island near Splits, which Split is one of the big cities on the coast. So that's where Zin comes from. So if you're a Zin fan... You didn't know that you actually really like Croatian wine. Now, you went to Split, right? You said yes. that? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And we went to – so my favorite place that we went on the coast was Omi, and it's mm-hmm. right past – it's right next to it's right next to Split. Oh, cool. Yeah. So talking about grapes, the, I mean, they're grapes, and we're not going to go through them all because they're, like, really hard to pronounce. <laughs> Yeah, let's let's name a few though, or try to name a few. So a common, the most common white grape from Istria is Malvasia, um, and that is a very firm white with a lot of body, honey, apple notes. A lot of times they macerate the grapes into the juice, which is actually mm. the Slovenian way of making it. That's not very common for white wines, right? And they use the barrel of choice in the Istria to age wines is acacia. Mm. So they use that. Um, but these are like very lively, full-bodied, complex wines. Some of them can be aged. Um, so that's one of the most common whites that you'll see. For the most common red, it'd be what's a quarter that we're drinking in this wine here, which is Tehran or Rafosk or Rafosko is another name for it. Um, and like you said, you already described what we would experience with that. So but yeah, there's also, I mean, every island has like their own grapes. It's so cool. Because like if you, were, if you were island hopping, you'd be like, oh, look at this grape and look at that grape. And then one of the islands has all lavender except for, except for wine. It's like lavender and wine. It has to be beautiful. It's imp- Could you imagine just getting drunk and just like laying in a field of lavender? <laughs> that sounds like the perfect... Like dream, day. you would think you're in a dream. It is, yeah, for sure, for sure. And I'd be yeah. like, somebody better paint this shit. Like, I want this documented, right, on canvas. Thank you. Exactly. Um. So th- that's really interesting. And I mean, 
The other thing I learned a little bit about Croatia in like that wine class I was in, it's surprising to me because I think that there are a lot of very similar wines that we would find like, so, okay. I'm trying to look at the, the pronunciation note. I need to look at this for a second. The S with the thing sounds like a shh. Okay. So Grashavina. I I think that that's pretty close. Okay. Thank you. Uh, It's called Welsh Riesling, but I believe it's also called like Lovsky Riesling, which I actually have a bottle of that's a Slovenian wine. Oh, yeah. Um, And so, and it is not, we should not um, confuse it with Riesling itself, like Riesling proper. Definitely not the same grape. They are not synonymous at all. But this grape, the Grashavina, is one of the most popular white wines in Croatia. And it's so common that it's widely considered to be indigenous. And so that's a dry, medium-bodied, fresh, and aromatic white wine with apple-like notes. So I think that from what I've read and like the other few that you tossed on here, it does sound like their white wines are not quite as light and bright as, you know, yeah, some other ones like, you know, Sauvignon Blanc or even, or even regular Riesling, right? They tend to be a little bit heavier. I'm almost thinking that, you know, you could find, and I, I know Croatia also does grow like Chardonnay is another, an international varietal that is grown there. I'm thinking that they tend to lend themselves more to be similar to like Chardonnay in the sense that they are a bit heavier bodied, but also this aromatic thing has me so interested. I would love to try with some of these, like either this grape or Vugava, which is another aromatic white that is on the list here. I think that sounds just so lovely. You know, I think I do have a white creation wine in the basement somewhere from Bibich Winery. Bibich. So tell us about Bibich because I feel like you've told me about it a little bit at least. Yeah. So Bibich Winery gained a lot of fame when Anthony Bourdain went there in his show in Croatia, No Reservations. So us being Anthony Bourdain fans, God rest (laughs) his soul, we sought out Bibich because he in the show had, and he even wrote about how amazing and how surprising he, the wines were and the experience was when he went there. Okay. It's so hard to find. I mean, (laughs) we were like, where are we going? I mean, I thought I was like, there's no way, but you keep going up and up and up. So it's like on a hill. Oh, really? Yeah. So it's in the small village of Plestovo near the town of Scradin. Um, and Alan Bibich is the winemaker. Really, they had the most high-end wines from the winery, from the wine that we saw and the wineries that we went to, which we only went to like three or something like that. Okay. Um, but the, the wines were first released in 1998. Um, wow. He reestablished the winery after the war because apparently he, they did make wine before the war in the nineties. And then he had to reestablish, he reestablished the winery in the same location. Okay. Cause um, they were destroyed. Yes. So now he also has a luxury restaurant where you, you can get a huge wine pairing with food and the food's supposed Ooh. to be amazing. We did not have that experience because the, we just kind of went and they were, did not offer it. You have to make a reservation, all that. Sure. But it's beautiful. And we did a bunch of tastings 
And I mean, we ended up buying like four or five bottles that we took home with us. And it was very good wine. Um, From Bibbage? Yes. So they must have like a a good range in terms of like. They have everything. Yes. They, I mean, like everything in the sense, like they've got your more standard, cheaper wine, not cheap, but. But more table, like table affordable. Yeah. Yeah. And then their high end. Debit is their fresh white. And I think that's the one that we had bought. Um, so yeah, and we bought a few of their like standard price ones and we bought a bottle of like their more high end wine. Very nice. You'll have to make sure that you enjoy that with a treat. Plan accordingly. Yeah. It's labeled as an anniversary wine since we got it on our honeymoon. So we still haven't (laughs) drank it. Yeah. There's time. um, There's time. time. You've got more years in you. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> yes. So. Um, that is fantastic. While you've been describing these locations, I've been trying to follow along on this map that I have. It, there are so many, I think what we've just been just talking about is there's so many little pockets and, you know, little parcels of land that are owned by small vineyard owners, small uh, wine grape growers. And it's just, it's really difficult to find things on a map. Yeah. So even if you had set out to go there, it probably would have been challenging anyway. <laughs> but it just is incredible because of again, kind of how time how this tiny country exists, but there is so much happening that we just don't really see or hear about. And I think that that is one of the joys of, you know, being able to travel and like doing a little bit of research on different wine regions and things like that, and that's part of the reason why I think that we, you know, you and I have certainly enjoyed learning a bit more about some of these lesser known, um, under the radar wine regions. Yeah. So it's a I lot of fun. We just want to bring it to the DB peeps. Yes. Oh, you know what I remember specifically what? about their food? I forgot about this. They're really into cuttlefish. What? Wait, what? What is yeah. cuttlefish? I don't, I don't know. I don't know. It's like this like <laughs> seafood thing. And it's like, you get like cuttlefish risotto. That's like a huge dish there. We ate I that a lot. I love risotto. It was really good. I mean, that that was good. I was into it. I sorry. I Ew. Just, a cuttlefish uh, is not an attractive animal. Oh, oh it kind of looks like a squid. Yeah, exactly. It almost was like like it almost was like squid. Oh, it is a cephalopod. Oh, then I'm fine with this. Yeah, okay. I would dig that. Yeah, it was good. It was good. All right, get me there. Take me there. Yeah, that was a there. common thing we had. Cool. Okay, so let's um go back to your wine. Yeah. Okay, hold on. Bon, wait, Jesus, Benvenuti. <laughs> wait, Benvenuti. Yeah, that's right. Benvenuti, and I've been eating some cheese now. Yeah, I'm digging it, man. Uh-huh. It's actually getting better. So, like, what kind of fruit flavors? I mean, obviously red fruits, but like, yeah. Or so that tannin. Remember, when I was saying it was drying out my mouth. Yeah. It's not as much anymore. So it's it's opened up. Um, it's balanced out. Okay. So I think it needed to breathe. A little bit. Um, I probably should have aerated it. So if you guys end up drinking this, please aerate it. I am getting like dark blackberry, mm. like darker, heavier fruits. Now, earlier you had said like raisiny, but I think that was mostly on the smell, but that's not on the, f- that's not on the flavor. No, it's still like more like fresh fruit. I hate raisiny wine. I'm not gonna lie. I know some people like it. It's not for me. It, I I think it's a definite like 
preference for people. Mm -hmm. Um, I really dislike that. So I'm really glad it doesn't. Thankful that it was just like a fleeting scent. Yeah. There's a good amount of acid on here. Stone, like wet stone. Okay. Which makes sense given where it grew. Again, it's a lot, like you get a lot from the terroir in these places. Oh yeah. Yeah, for sure. yeah, I, I I can't pinpoint anything else to be honest with you. Okay, but it's it is very good. I recommend it. Happy to hear that. Yeah, not much spice. I'm not a Tempranillo fan, so I'm really happy that I'm enjoying this. Well, I think so, the Tempranillo can also be done like in different ways because remember Tempranillo like is one of the biggest grapes in the Portuguese wines. I think it's called Turrigan. I think it's Spanish in the Spanish wines. It's much more common, I believe. Well, Tempranillo, but it goes by a different name in Portugal. I think Aragonese is one of the names. And that's another thing that, you know, you've even touched on. It's likely due to the soils and due to the terroir. And so these grapes are all going to pick up so much more from what's going on in Croatia proper, Mm -hmm. as opposed to like different representations of the same grapes made elsewhere, grown elsewhere. Agreed. So yeah, very cool. All right. Well, I'm glad that I'm sad I couldn't join you, but I'm glad that we ventured into this foray because I love, I love hearing about your travels always. And I think that this is just a great opportunity to get, again, highlight lesser known wine region for our listeners so that if they want to just kind of peruse the shelves and see what's out there at their local wine shops, that this is, you know, an experience. Yeah. Also, I'd say that for the price of like 21 bucks, totally worth it. I think that there's a lot of other wine out there for like this could definitely rival some $30 wines. I think it's definitely worth the price point. I'm going to keep sipping this. I'm sorry you're not here with me, but I'm really (laughs) enjoying it. So I'm going to keep sipping this. Well, I know where you got it. So I mean, hopefully be able to reserve another bottle or something for me for the future. Sounds good. All right. Well, thanks. Thanks for sharing everything, Sarah. And thanks for listening. Bye guys. Cheers. Thanks so much for listening. If you like what you hear, please rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast listening platform to help spread the DBP word. Check out our website and blog at dbpcheers.com. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at dbpcheers or on the Drunk Bitches Podcast Facebook page. We'd love to hear from you. So send your questions, comments, and fun wine or topic ideas to dbpcheers at gmail.com. Until next time. Cheers Cheers from from the the girls of DBP. DBP.